This is the Kowabui Show. Kowabui is an author, international speaker, and entrepreneur. He started his first business selling music CDs in high school at the age of 16. He then went on and built several businesses. He is the founder of River Design, a marketing company that helps businesses get more exposure online and offline. He has appeared on TV, radio, newspaper, and magazines from around the world. He has written and published several books and created various products. Kowabui is also an international speaker, corporate trainer, and speaks on topics of business, entrepreneurship, motivation, health, marketing, and online business. You can check out his blog site at www.kowa-bui.com. And now, your host, Mr. Kowabui. All right, so um, so Louise Bedford is one of Australia's most compelling speakers on the share market, as well as being in the markets for over 20 years. She's trained thousands of people to maximize her trading potential. She is a best-selling author of various books, including Trading Secrets, Charting Secrets, Let the Trade Winds Flow, and much more. She has degrees in psychology and business and has done the hard yards in the share market, so you can shortcut your way to success by following her methods. So please welcome to the show, Louise Bedford. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Okay, so let's get straight into it. Um, so I bought your your books a few a few years ago, and um, you know I really like the way you write them, and um, it's all about trading and and everything. So I was thinking, like, just just before we get into the questions, I was thinking, how long did it take for you to write those books? By the way. <sighs> Oh, look, the first one took a little while. The first one was my options book. And the day that my options book got delivered, it was like holding a newborn baby. It was so exciting. I hugged it. And then I wrote the book I really wanted to write, which was The Secret of Candlestick Charting. That was the one they wouldn't let me go for. They thought it was too kind of weird out there, strange. It's a 300-year-old technique. So they really weren't keen on me going with that as my leading title. Um, And then the other two, they just said yes to because the Candles one was such a winner. Um, It was an instant bestseller. So Trading Secrets and Charting Secrets, they came along, just uh, my little family of my four babies. It's it's like giving birth to a book. It takes a long time to write. It really is. Yeah, I think it might be easier than the real thing, having Mm. had two of my own. Fantastic. Yeah. Have have you always been a writer? Like, did you pick this up, um, you know, like when, um, you know, when you're growing up and stuff, or like, was it just something later on you decided to to do, or? Look, I've loved writing. One of the things with writing, I find, is it's a direct source into your unconscious. So some of the things that you have been struggling with and grappling with, if you write it down, it's like a form of therapy. It's all there on the page for you. One of the techniques that I follow is a morning journal. I write every day through my journals over the past few years, and I spot patterns and sequences in my life, and I use that to improve myself and to improve my relationships as well. Okay. Um, all right. So people who don't know you, like I was thinking, how, how did you, um, so how did you get started in, in trading as well? Um, so you mentioned you started off with your options book, but how did you, you know, get interested and how did you How get did started? I get going? Yeah. 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 Well, Look, I used to have a real job. You know, trading's not really a real job. You don't you do not do it for that long per day, as you know. Um, I was a sales manager and just I had a little niggle in this finger just over the course of a few days and I ignored it, as you do, because everybody's got little aches and pains. But unfortunately, 
my number was up and over the course of two weeks that pain traveled right up my right arm and then my left arm instantly affected as well I lost the use of both of my arms for almost three years I had to leave my job I was devastated Mm. everybody told me from the medical side of things that you you may never get better you just have to adjust this is your new life get a carer make sure that your husband's on course here and I don't think I could have been any lower at all and I don't know if you've ever stared into that pit yourself that you find out who you really are. You find out when your back is to the wall what sort of person lives inside. And sometimes that person is a scared, terrified little girl Mm. and other times she's a big, strong woman that can take on the world. So I had been trading alongside my job um, not very well. It took me three years to break even. Mm -hmm. And when my arm situation struck, I was five years in. However, yeah, so I had a bit of background, Mm. but I have to say I started trading as if my life depended on it. I could type with a pen in my mouth. I I literally used to put a pen in my mouth uh, like this, tap on the keyboard and type. I had my broker on speed dial who was a wonderful person. He used to do the maths for me on his Mm. calculator because I couldn't type and talk because I had the pen in in my mouth and I just discovered a whole new world I realized that it didn't matter if I didn't move my arms it didn't matter if I didn't get better it was one of those situations where a whole new world had suddenly been revealed and I suddenly got my dignity back it was one of those situations where you go I can see a sliding doors moment without trading here is where I would end up But with trading, who knows what could be? Mm. And that's where it really came together for me. So I traded um, since then, following a trading plan, following a trading system, doing everything I could to work on my mindset, to develop myself and to make sure that my focus was in the right place. That's really... um... Yeah, it's really interesting because it's like you're pushed against the, the wall and you had to figure out how to make it work. So you know, you had the pen in your mouth and you had to figure out how to come up with a trading system and and just trying to figure out how to make this thing work without you moving around too much, isn't it? That's exactly right, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Mm. and you did a lot of digging as well when you were looking in the the mirror as well, so... Yeah, Yeah, okay. Oh, my gosh, and I read so much too, you know. There's so many things that you can get from books and from the people that you associate with. I tried to hang out with people who would encourage me. Mm -hmm. You know, at that stage... mid-twenties, okay, just to put the the date on it, is some of my people that were hanging out with me then, they'd seen somebody ambitious rising up the corporate ladder and then they really didn't want to be a part of this new disabled life. Mm. I mean, luckily now I can can move. I've got my feeling back. I've got, I can, I can move again, which is fantastic. But it was very expensive process going to loads of medical professionals, loads of physiotherapists, and it was quite bleak. So, In a lot of ways, trading, it saved my life. It saved my dignity. It gave me back self-worth and there's no finer gift. Yeah, that, that's what um, really drew me into to trading as well because, 
you know, one one day you, you never know what's going to happen. Um, you know, you could be just trucking along, you're just working in your job, and then all of a sudden something happens, and you need to figure out how to to make money from home without moving mm. around and everything. And yeah, that's what really drew me into into trading. All right, then um, you also mentioned about um, uh, your friends as well. Like uh, they didn't appreciate you rising up the ranks as well. Like, did you were you surrounded by you know unmotivated people, or did you sort of like look around for for different mentors and did that help yeah. yeah, okay. That's a really good question. Uh, look, when I was in my job, like the, the career job, there were a lot of benefits to hanging out with people in the workforce because you get the side benefit of social interaction. As a trader, it's quite lonely. Mm. So I hung out with the people from the disabled pool that I went to where there was a hydrotherapy pool mm-hmm. and we were all in various states of... <laughs> decay we called ourselves the mutants which probably isn't all that polite is it but it was because we were calling ourselves the mutants it was fine and I started teaching them how to trade so I hung out with them a lot of them have like since fallen by the wayside some of them were terminal but the ones that stuck with it became beautiful traders I had my group I had my squad and I was ready for action and then I started hanging out with people who went to the stock exchange and I didn't find too many mates there however I started reading and I started looking at what they were looking at and I realized sometimes the crowd is not where you need to be. Sometimes you have to work out your own path and that was a difficult process as well. I know people who, um, when you're looking at trading, it just looks too intimidating. It, it's really, it looks like it's reserved for the people who are super smart, the elites, right? And um, the ones, yeah, who know how to do a lot of mathematics. It just looks too technical, but you would seem to, you know, uh, be able to teach the people around you to trade and trade well as well. How did you, how did you overcome that? that mental barrier um, Mm. to overcome that that challenge because that's really tough. It's amazing. Yeah, Yeah, it is tough. Yeah, Mm. it's amazing what you can do when you get desperate. I think with trading, it's one of those things where you can fail your way to success. Like if you were a cardiac surgeon and you lost eight people out of 10, then there'd be a big problem and people would stop coming to you. Whereas with traders, you fail, you fail, you fail, you fail, you fail, you fail, you win. Hey, I won. You fail, you fail, you fail. You win big. You Mm. fail, you fail. You win huge. Then you fail, you fail, you fail, you fail. And you just get so tough. You get a thick skin and you really start to take it in your stride and it becomes more normal. You know, what is your normal? It's a hard situation for your normal in the rest of your life. If you failed 50% of the time, you would feel like a failure. Whereas traders, we have to have a really thick skin to be able to get through that feeling. Um, okay, so let me just branch off a tiny bit away from the trading. So from, from building the thick skin from, from failing and, and trading and, 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 you know, fail, fail, but then you win, do you think that will affect other areas of your life as well, um, you know? In, in overcoming rejection and everything? Do you think that will... Yeah, yeah? completely. Okay. It is the best therapy mirror to look into with the markets. I think the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So if you can develop resilience in one area, it can translate to other areas. You know, I might look like a marshmallow, but oh my God, I'm so strong now because of this. You it are, is... you're, you're mentally strong, I can tell. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible what it does for you, where if you allow yourself to 
put yourself out there and to to just shine the torch through the dark and to step into that light and then shine again you know build on little bit by little bit by little bit it's incredible when you look back what you can achieve i believe that most people underestimate what they can achieve mm. in the long term but they overestimate what they can achieve in the short term you know, you see on Facebook, I'm going to lose 10 kilos in the next week. And, you know, they talk up such a big game. Mm -hmm. But really often those people aren't the ones that are achieving those goals because they've overestimated what they can achieve in the short term. And that can be a mistake. Yeah, it's also a bit dangerous when you're comparing as well when you're on Facebook and you're looking at other people. Oh, my yeah. gosh, yes. Yeah. I just urge my traders that I train in my mentor program to unplug. Don't get swept away with comparing the highlight reel on everybody else's feed mm. with your own life. You, you are not showing all of your life when you're on Facebook. It's a very slanted view. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's um yeah the other day I was I was on Instagram and you know there's people posting their profits, mm. and it just it, it makes it look so easy you know like they just uh, they just press a button and then all of a sudden they get all this money and stuff it just looks so easy and and then you see their followers and it can really mess with your thinking I guess and but what you just said mm -hmm. it was really important I guess it's about you know uh, unplugging from social media and just focusing on your own game so when you were just starting off as a trader um, what were your initial challenges um, that that you had to overcome yeah so many um there was working out what a trader looks like what does a good trader look like you know i read a book a while ago by tanya moa called playing big and the good thing about that is it said imagine yourself in 20 years time imagine the best version of you mm. in 20 years time mm. and imagine that that person was giving advice to the younger you what would they say? What would they look like? Where would they live? Who would they be waking up beside? Where would they go on holidays? Mm. So it gives you an idea where you'd like to move to in your heart of hearts. You know, one of the things when I got started trading is that there were not a lot of successful traders around the place. So I did not know what good looked like. I didn't know what that 20 year on version of myself as a trader would look like. That identity is so hard to come to grips with mm. to begin with and now I mean there are so many examples of good traders there are so many people that you can go hey I could imagine that I could use that I could be that person I could act like that person so identity I think is probably one of the major things and also just learning what entry exit position sizing I was going to use the specifics mm. you know you can have a brilliant mindset and a bad trading plan and you won't make money mm. you have to have both going in in conjunction with each mm. other so yeah every aspect was a struggle okay it sounded like you you were also working on your your beliefs as well um maybe it's a bit tricky to to really believe that you know you can be a successful trader so how did you overcome those limiting beliefs was it you just compared yourself or i mean sorry you just um uh, you looked at like successful traders and you just hung around them so it became reality is that what you did it took a very long time for okay. me to find any examples of success so think back to the mid 90s that's when we were talking about mm -hmm. chris tate's book hadn't been out mm -hmm. okay when yeah. i was starting to look around so chris tate is now my business partner yeah. oh, yeah. 
Yeah, there weren't many traders back then. So, you know, it was tough going. So I didn't really have a lot of examples to be drawn towards. But certainly one of the things that I really focused on was just being the best trader that I could be. So maybe one day I didn't do so well. So I'd say, what could I do differently? You know, and okay. just learning from that, keeping a trading diary, writing things down or recording them if you if you have a difficulty with writing the way that I did. So that to me was invaluable, yeah. Okay, so when you were trading at the start and you know, you probably made a loss, how did you, like, what was your mental, what was your mental script that was running in your head when you had the loss? Like, what's oh your, gosh, what was it? that is a really good question. <laughs> uh, I'll give you an example of a loss that I'm, I feel was a turning point for me. Okay. So picture this, I'd finished my role in my job I thought, oh my goodness, I need to replace my income. Mm. My broker had told me there was a way to write options and it was a way of getting little bits of income along the way. You didn't have to wait to sell a share. It was a monthly type of basis. I was so excited. So rather than learn too much about it, I put my own money in, which can be a good way to learn, but yeah. it can also hurt. Scary. My, yeah, mm. because my back was to the wall. You know, yeah, I had yeah, limited yeah. time and I... I I needed to make money, you know, it's it's that sort of level of desperation. Mm. And I made a loss with my first options trade. It was $238.40. Of <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. at that time I cried well. yeah. and cried and cried. It was what that loss represented. It was Bag of groceries. Oh my and... goodness. <laughs> oh, but am I going to be a failure? Am I ever going to be able to do this? Is this going to be something I can conquer? Mm. And I could feel inside me, and certainly it's something that I think a lot of women combat as well. Mm. Will I be good enough? Am I worthy? Is this something that I'm really going to be able to do? And maybe everybody knows more than I do, and that's why they've done so well. And in a nutshell, that's the imposter syndrome at work, where you feel like a fraud for your successes and for your failures you take full credit for because you deserve that failure. Mm. And to spin that around has been quite quite a trick. And I can see the traders that I train struggle with it and I can see them peck their way out of their shell and finally fly. And it's a beautiful feeling. Oh. Okay, um, you touched on something that was really interesting about the, the imposter syndrome. So can you explain yes. a bit more about that? Yeah, it's that little voice. It's that little voice that says, I'm not good enough. Okay. And do you know, so many people have this. Mm. If you actually analyzed your own self-talk, where you were totally honest with yourself and you wrote down the thoughts going through your brain, how many of those are negative? I'm guessing a heck of a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're not being a good friend to yourself. Mm. It's something that if you are truly a good friend to a friend of yours, you would never say those things to that person because mm. they wouldn't want to hang out with you. Yeah. But you can't escape yourself. You're in your own head saying those things to yourself day in, day out. So the first step with that is to become aware that person that you hear, that voice, that scathing, belittling voice is not your friend. And you need to kick it out. You need to address it. And Dr. Harry Stanton, the book that I wrote with Dr. Harry Stanton, Let the Trade Winds Flow, mm -hmm. 
Dr. Harry's a beautiful psychologist. I love him. He's gorgeous. I have here I worship Tim since I was 15 years old. Um, gorgeous man. And now he's my friend, which is so exciting. It is, isn't it? I love it when that sort of thing can happen. Um, Harry Stanton says, what you do is you hear the tone of that voice. So for me, that tone is, oh, I can't believe you did that again. It's a very sarcastic, snarly, lip curly type of voice. And you change it. You change it to something hilarious. Change it to Minnie Mouse. Change it to Daffy Duck. Change it to something that's really quite oh, how dare you do that, Louise? I can't believe you did that again. And how can you take that seriously? Mm, you true. you strip it of its power. You detooth that tiger. And that, to me, has been a wonderful technique. And I've carried that through, not just for trading, but in every area. So it's about changing the, um, the tone of voice. and Yes, yeah. yes. And for a lot of people, that tone of voice... I've got four years of psychology behind me, so I always go into the psychology side because I just find it fascinating. But that tone of voice, if you really analyse that tone of voice, uh, that tone of voice can sometimes be the voice of a parent. So if you think of early attachment theory where we are dependent on our parents for everything and if you have some sort of rejection, that Mm. can actually be a survival issue. If you are hearing that parental voice inside your head and you recognize it, it's time you grew up and you combated that and you looked eye to eye with that scathing parent in your head. Mm. It might not even be your real parent. It might be that voice that's got you stuck in a childhood way of seeing the world. And that's something I work a lot with my traders on. There are levels of baggage that we have as adults. And it's time we started to stop looking in our rearview mirror and looking behind us. Who are you now and who do you want to be and be drawn rather than being chased? If I want to change the the voices and and the internal dialogue in my head, so you're recommending to just keep on just keep at it, just whenever it appears, you just you know, you just keep changing yep. it, replace it with something and then over time it just becomes natural, is that right? That's right. I think the repetition of any action, it's just recognizing it in the first place, though. A lot of people have that difficulty. They start feeling bad, but they don't know why because they haven't analyzed it. Mm. So now for the people watching this and to listen to it as well, think about how you can be a better friend to yourself. Think about what you can do when you hear that berating sound and you'll find ways of overcoming it. Some people wear an elastic band and they twang themselves on the wrist. I think it's a bit brutal for me. I I prefer to treat myself with care and love because then I exude care and love. I I prefer to to be more kind to myself. So, yeah, yeah. Have you done any inner child work? Have you heard of that? Uh, I did. um, I've looked at the whole NLP where, yeah, you do change the voice, but you can also change the images in your head. So let's say that yeah. you remember a, um, a certain situation that is maybe it's humiliating or embarrassing and that just keeps replaying in your head. And then you just change the image in your head where you just turn it into black and white. You put like a clown nose on your, on their nose. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you're a bit familiar with some things like yeah, this. Yeah, 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 that's good. And, um, and also the, the Dixon process where you analyze the um, your, your own beliefs where, you know, you might have some negative beliefs that you have right now and it's really painful, but then you carry those beliefs with you 
you look at yourself in the mirror and then you carry that with you in five years time and then how do you feel about it now do you look older do you look less energy and then let's fast forward in 10 years 20 years what are those beliefs taking you you know how do you feel about those beliefs so i think that's what you you mentioned at the start about the 20-year process yeah Um, yeah yeah, i love that yeah Mm -hmm. excellent yeah all right then so how about the the growth you mentioned about the growth mindset as well like what's what's that all about there are two ways of looking at a challenge They've done a load of studies on this, actually, and it's a good thing to Google. Whether you see a challenge as something that is, hey, I think I can do this, but it's a bit hard, but I think I can do this, or I will never be able to do that, and my intelligence where it is now is fixed. It isn't malleable. Now, what they've found with some of the studies with this is that if children are praised for the outcome, So, hey, that's great, Johnny, you got an A. What happens with that child is they go, I have to always get A's. Mm. It doesn't matter what I do, I just have to get an A. If you praise a child for the process and you say, I can see that you've worked hard, I can see that you're trying, I can see that you're aiming to do well, but you don't worry so much about the outcome, that child is more likely to do well in the future. They are less likely to cheat on tests because they don't have to have that A type of identity in their mind. And they end up happier. They take on new challenges with a lot more vigor. So that's where we need to be, that growth mindset where intelligence is not fixed and it is something that we can alter ourselves and we can change over time. Okay, so your approach towards everything, it's coming from a source of, of love and self-care but I know a lot of other people who they approach things through like a battle mindset you know I think mm. in your book you mentioned um, you know for guys we tend to do a lot of you know revenge trading and uh, we have like this ego thing <laughs> but for, for you you've got a different perspective and um, you sort of like know how to remove the ego and, and just trade without emotion I guess <laughs> yeah yeah it's tricky that one of the things I'd suggest people do is have a look at your core values okay. now for me it's love nurture and inspiration they're my three top values now everything has to be in line with those values firstly for me to say yes to it like this interview so well done because you got me (laughs) (laughs) and secondly if you are in line with those core values you'll have more energy you'll be able to apply yourself to a greater degree you'll have that growth mindset to push through your barriers so I even find for my traders, some of my traders end up self-sabotaging because they are not in line with those values. They can't find that within them. They can't find that congruence. And that's when they stray off path. Mm. So values are important. I do think guys go with a more combative type of stance, though. I testosterone um, makes you a little bit more that way and that's not a bad thing but certainly to find ways to have an outlet you know some some of the bloke traders do have particular problems and this is not just saying it from my perspective this is based on double blind studies so um, 
testosterone can make you vicious. Mm. The biggest tool that I have for you with this is the morning journal. I'll tell you a little bit about that. I am hot on the trail. I'm in week 10 of my own mentor program at the moment, um, and we've just handled the psychology week. These stories that people have come out with, oh, my gosh. I think we all take our past into our current and it can be difficult to shake that the morning journal is such a good tool it was originally inspired by julia cameron who wrote the artist's way she talked about morning pages but I've called mine a morning journal. I, I didn't realize her book was out when I came up with this idea myself, Conjoint Evolution, as these things happen. But read her book, The Artist's Way. The Artist's Way, okay. The idea is, yeah, the idea is that you pour out for half an hour every morning, just keep that pen moving, everything on your mind. So put it all down onto paper. You will find the first four weeks are very easy. The pen keeps flowing. You've got a lot to talk about. And then after about that time, your mind starts to wander and you think of other things to do and you might forget your practice of writing and you get distracted. And that is when the insights pour out of you. I have a recurring thing happening with my sister. Mm-hmm. It was all there on the morning journal. Mm-hmm. I had a little trade twitch that I used to experience. Um right there in the morning journal there are so many things that have poured out of me where I've just gone oh my gosh look at that it's in black and white so that would be probably my biggest hitter of a tool for this sort of thing it's um it really is the best form I have kept journals since 1987 I think was my first one so very very long time ago and occasionally I'll read back and I don't always read back sometimes I rip out the pages and destroy them make sure it's under lock and key or that you have a family that you trust because you don't want anybody reading this this is not for writing style this is for pure access to the unconscious Uh, would you consider yourself an introvert or extrovert you're more of an introvert I'm an ambivert. I think I'm I'm both. Yeah, yeah. I've got the extrovert. Um, Maybe doing too much. Uh, we, we yeah we we, <laughs> we we that might be a whole other show. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Oh, back off. Yeah. Um, so I've got okay. the the extrovert part where I love people and I get a lot of energy from people, mm. but I have the introvert introspective mm. aspect as well. Mm. And I that does help, depend. It? Yeah, yeah, it does. I think mm. it it is a, a useful association, and it's a good thing because I have a child who's an extrovert and a child who's an introvert, and it helps me. Really with both of them yeah okay thanks for that okay um so we mentioned failing weight to success as well how about uh resilience as well this is a this is a big one too um when you're going through so much you know pain and and failure how do you you know how do you get through all those all all of the challenges and everything how how did you develop that that um, resilience yeah it's a, it's a tough, tough way when everything around you is falling down and it almost seems like you're the magnet for bad mm. attention and bad things. Yeah, I've definitely been there. Um, one of the things with resilience, and I don't see this talked about much, it's being a good animal. Now, 
by that I mean look after your sleep, look after how much you're drinking, uh, you know, the alcoholic variety, not the green tea variety. Yep. Look at who is around you, you know, who's your pack, who's your squad, who are there, who's there to help you. And I think that whole being a good animal comes into almost every area of resilience. If you don't have enough fuel in the tank, you won't have enough energy to pour out to others. And probably the only other thing that I've got on that that I think is really relevant is to take your eyes off yourself and to put them onto other people. When I was so sad that I could barely move, I found other people that I could help and that opened up my world again. It made me see my whole life through different eyes. I've got a fellow trader, Jim, who has 2% vision. He trades with a magnifying glass wow. on his peripheral vision. It's not even, you know, center vision. So he trades with a magnifying glass beside him with a huge screen that he can look at. And that's how he trades. I taught him how to trade by doing plasticine for the candle charts. Like I, I folded up plasticine and then he got to feel it. And after he could feel it, he knew what he was looking for on the screen. Now, I am, I'm nowhere near in that situation, nowhere near. So Jim, I think, has been an inspiration for me. He thinks I inspired him. He, he, I got just as much. I actually said to Jim, how do you handle your blackness? He said when he was 18, he went to a friend's house who dragged him to his, his, this place, a mutual friend. The friend was very happy mm. and he introduced him to his brother and the brother was a thalidomide victim. Oh, what, he what had victim? a That's thalidomide. thalidomide. Uh, do you know thalidomide? No. Th thalidomide was, Jim's a bit older. I was going to say than us, but I'm flattering myself. <laughs> You're very young, Louise. It's okay. <laughs> thalidomide was a drug that they gave to women who were pregnant and had morning sickness, and it caused awful birth defects. So children were born with partial arms, partial legs, sometimes no arms, sometimes just a hand out of a little little stalk from their body. And when Jim saw his friend of a friend's brother crawling up the hallway, Jim went, what the heck? I've got about 4% vision at that stage. But look at this person in front of me. Mm. He, barely, he, can, he can barely even have a life that he knows of, you know. So I think there's always somebody worse than you and there's always somebody you can help. Your technique was uh, instead of when you're in that situation, instead of re focusing on yourself and how miserable you are or how much pain, you, you got out of yourself and you just looked at other people and just started helping other people. And that sort of like got you out of that uh, introspection, I guess, too much of introspection and just seeing you know, what other people are going through just makes you yeah, become inspired by what the courage people have what they're going through is that right and there probably is um one less <laughs> kind version of this as well i think it's a twin prong here the one that i also combated was people's opinions of me now i had an accountant at that stage i thought he was behind me when i had a full-time job he was behind me he thought it was great when i lost the use of my arms he said to me you can't be a full-time trader not you, look at you. And he actually laughed. He laughed in my face. And that 
stirred something within me that I had never ever felt before and I can't even define it now. It wasn't just I'm going to show you. It was like I'm going to squash you. Mm. And it's probably not a very nice side of anybody to admit. There is a blackness in everybody, isn't there? Mm. But that gave me a lot of motivation and I stuck with that accountant until I guessed that I was earning more as a trader than he was earning full-time as an accountant. And then I left and I found a good accountant. There you go. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> but that revenge yeah. was a good, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing wrong with a bit of healthy revenge, right? So <laughs> you just uh, want to park your Ferrari, accidentally park it on your ex's lawn and say, oops, excuse me, right? So <laughs> there you go. And really as well, when I think back through the dumb things people have said to me over the years, you know, my father said to me at one stage, you know, just as well, you have a good husband. Mm. And I'm just like, it is, it's true. I do have a good husband, but I know what he meant by that. It meant that I didn't have to ever work again and that my husband would like look after me and that mm. I could be a 50s house. You know, that, that, that inspired me in perhaps not such a good way as well. My uncle said to me when I produced my first book, mm. he said to me, oh, that's so great. I always believed in you. But just a couple of years before that, he'd said, you'll never make it as a trader. You'll never make it as a trader. Nobody in your situation can trade full time. Mm-hmm. If you take these things to heart and you don't follow it through to fruition, you don't get to look down on them from the top of the mountain. How important is it to have like a supporting husband or, or wife on, on this journey? Is it people who want to get into trading and everything, they'll like you said you came across the accountant who put you down but there's also you know your loving partner as well um whether they support you or not like would you say that that contributed a lot to your success in trading having a supporting husband yeah Yeah? i can i can tell you this is a big one that my traders face Mm. if they're with somebody that doesn't see their vision for the family it is very difficult Mm. but i can guarantee that money acts as a brilliant anesthetic it is incredible once that money starts pouring in how your partner just tucks in alongside and doesn't even remember if they were not supportive. I think if you give up on your vision, on the way you can see your life with or without that person beside you, they're probably not going to respect you as much anyway. Mm -hmm. So if you've got the vision for the family, you've got to keep on going. How do you protect yourself though? That's the thing. You need some techniques. One of my traders, he's happily married. Mm-hmm. However, his wife does not see the future the way this gentleman sees the future. He has got an agreement with her and this is something that I work on a lot to find an appropriate agreement. Women are often threatened by lack of safety, by if you take my house away from me, where are my children going to live? We're going to end up homeless and they catastrophize, they awfalize the situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what can, yeah, it is, it Mm. really is. And it's a real thing, you know, I don't know whether um, anybody here has experienced if you threaten a woman's security, what can happen? Like if you think of the mother tigress protecting her her little cubs, that's what you've got here. Mm. So a lot of primal emotions are stirred. One of the things I suggest my traders do, and this is what this gentleman did with his wife, is he said, can you give me enough rope enough jurisdiction here but if we get to the point where i have lost 25 percent of our money Mm -hmm. then 
I will get you involved and I'll consult a higher authority and then we'll talk with them together about whether I should continue trading. Now that is the circuit breaker. 25% of your money, you can handle that because to lose 25% of your money, all you need to do is make 33.3% to break even again. So it's not catastrophic. It's not something that is completely awful that you'll never recover from. If you lose 75% of your money, oh my goodness, now you're talking, there's a big problem. So stop it before it gets too bad and get that agreement with your partner. Get that understanding that they need to give you a little bit of space, but if things get to the point where you need help, that you will seek help and you'll do it together. And I think that can soothe many a partner's frazzled nerves. That's really good. Um, You're very clear with with the boundaries or, or you're very clear with the limitations, 25% of, of your capital. And, um, you know, if it goes beyond that, then, yeah, let, let's let's talk about the next step and everything. But if you don't... Often yeah. we, we get what we are prepared to tolerate. So if you're tolerating, I'm going to say it's not even true abuse, is it? But you know what I'm saying. It's an abuse in some way, whether it's a physical set of abuse, whether it's an emotional set of abuse, whether it's words. If you're tolerating that, unfortunately, you're going to get more of the same. So you have to circuit break that. You have to find a way to say, okay, this is where this behavior stops. One of the things to help people do that is I talk about a bubble technique. Now, I do use this with my sister, so um, mm, it's not just for spouses. I I imagine her words hitting the outside of a bubble that I have around me so that I'm completely enclosed, I'm safe inside, and that her words can't touch me. And since I've developed that level of detachment from her, it has just gone so much more smoothly. And it's almost like she's realized that she can't get to me so much. So she hasn't even been trying so much over the past few years. It's finding a technique that works for you. There's a certain level of detachment that's required, even from profit in order to succeed. And sometimes that detachment has to come in some areas of your relationship. So it's about being detached, right? Just, uh, when you get those negative situations, when you get the criticism, you just you just deal with it where you just don't you just don't let it get into into your mind and like you yeah you don't respond yeah, yes okay. and then go find your friends that actually are supportive of your goals. You know, I think a lot of people underestimate the power of support and the value of the people around them. Without having people who are in your corner, it can be very very lonely as an entrepreneur or a trader. Do you meditate as well? I do, I do. My grandmother taught me how to meditate many, many years ago. Yeah. Like every day? Not every day, not every day, no. But um, I have taken it up with my son. My son's 14 now. He's downloaded the Smiling Mind app. If anybody has children, you might like to do this. And it takes you through guided meditations. So I'm hoping to pass that on to my children as well. Um, how about the the books that you would recommend? What would your top top three books would you? Ah, I have prepared this one actually. Um, this this one, these are all they're all fairly new books actually. That's um, life, yeah. So. Mm. This one, The Slight Edge oh, by Jeff Olson. Mm-hmm. I love this book. I love, love, love this book. Well, I've sent it over to my friend, Dr. Harry Stanton, and he read it and he rang me up and he was he was, he was, was almost in tears. He's going, oh, my God, you and mm. I should have written this book. We should have written this book. And I'm going, yeah, I know, we really should have. The concept behind The Slight Edge is that 
you take something tiny that you can do regularly and you just build it up like a little building block to get to the Taj Mahal. Mm. So as an example, one of the things that I've done since this, I'm technically challenged, okay? I okay. find technology to be a bit of a mystery and it irritates me and I find I have that little voice going inside, you can't do this, you know, mm. you'll never be able to do this. So uh, after recognising that was a, a gap, a year and a half ago, I decided to learn one tiny new piece of technology every day, every day. So I've been doing that probably 80% of the time. I've learned something new every day. I can now turn on my oven remotely. I can I can use my TV. Oh, my God. I know this doesn't sound like a big thing. You're a technical guy. But for me, it's huge. I have set up a closed Facebook group. I can record my own videos and post them up there. I can edit. Oh, my God. I can edit on my phone. Mm. Who would have known that all of these wonders would have been revealed? And it's because of this book, The Slight Edge. So that's number one. Okay. Number Excellent. two, Angela Duckworth Grit. Angela Duckworth has written in this book it's brand new the power of passion and perseverance now one of the major things i got out of this book is she talks about what's your big thing what is the thing that is going to be a huge goal for you something that's ahead of you that is almost insurmountable that scares the bejeebies out of you mm. and how to persevere to get there my daughter and i are learning french and that's a big thing. That is a really big thing. Mm. You know, we, we know people who are bilingual. They end up having fewer incidents of Alzheimer's. They end up being more flexible in their thinking. And what a fantastic skill. I mean, we could travel into so many countries if both of us know French. It would be great. Mm. So that's our big thing. The other thing that book said, which I think is brilliant, I always wondered about what is the power of extracurricular activities? So should kids do, you know, dancing, soccer, you know, maybe it's just taking away from reading, writing and mm. that type of core school skill. There's a study that Angela Duckworth talks about in here. It's a Harvard Business School study and it shows that if kids do an extracurricular activity that they stick at for two years or more that has a progression, so some sort of grading, mm. that they end up happier and more likely to persevere more highly paid, less likely to get divorced. So there's some sort of connect, connection with um, like extracurricular activities being physical and just you know taking some sort of can even well-being. it can be something outside of school though it doesn't have to necessarily be physical. Mm -hmm. The idea is that there's progression that okay. you stick with it. So the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Mm -hmm. If you can stick with a particular activity and progress, okay. then you're more likely to do better in life. So that's a winner. Okay. I think I saw her TED Talk. I think she did that TED Talk. Yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah, she yeah, did. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love her. Really, She's fantastic. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well worth your read. It's a good mm, – it's an easy read too. It's similar to the Jeff Olsen book. Mm. And probably the other one that I've been influenced um, a few years ago now, but lean in. Lean in. So Sheryl Sandberg was the – and I believe she still is – the chief operating officer of Facebook. Now, she's saying about with women that often women take a step back because we think we're going to have a baby in 10 years' time. Why go for the next promotion? Oh, the guys seem to be really doing well and they're crushing it and I have my self-doubts. Maybe I should just take less pay. And 
honestly, this is one of my pet topics at the moment. Women have no idea what they're capable of doing. And you know what? I'm not even blaming guys. We've done it to ourselves. Mm. With trading, women earn more than the blokes. There are study after study that show that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now they're tying it down. The studies that I've read, um, especially Barbara and Odeen, if you want to look them up, Mm. they tie it down. Guys suffer overconfidence, therefore they overtrade. And we were talking about testosterone. Yeah. They've actually done monkey studies with this too, that the alpha male actually secretes more testosterone in his urine. So, you know, leading the monkey troop the alpha male has more testosterone. They've done a study showing with testosterone with guys. It's a small study in the UK that the guys, <laughs> the guys who have higher levels of testosterone take more risks in the share market and they have higher levels of drawdown. So all of that yep. combines. Women, we suffer a whole host of other issues that make us self-doubt. We think it's a male domain, so we don't ever pursue it because we think, hey, it's only for the guys. We self-doubt a lot, a lot. If you actually got inside a woman's mind and you heard all of the crud flowing around in there, oh, it's appalling. And the other big one is we need to talk. <laughs> no, that'll come as a surprise uh, to a lot of people. Something out of men from Mars, women from Venus, but that's a different <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's so, yeah. yeah, that's it. I can tell you. I can tell you all about it. Yeah. Um, so the need to talk can detract from that introspection that we need to work on ourselves. We can surround ourselves with people who we think know more than us and we doubt ourselves within that group. So that need to talk can foul us up as a trader, as an entrepreneur and in life. So there's also a saying, that stops me from talking, and I'm about to use this on myself right now, an empty vessel makes the most noise. I Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, Grit by Angela Duckworth, and Jeff Olson's The Slight Edge. They're the three I suggest. And if you're looking to learn about trading, of course, I've got some lovely books that I've produced. Trading Secrets and Charting Secrets would be the ones I'd suggest. Great. All right. Well, thank, thanks a lot for that. I really appreciate the, um, you know, the books and, and the knowledge and the wisdom that you've shared with us as well. So um, how, how can people contact you, by the way? Probably the best way is through going to my website, tradinggame.com.au tradinggame.com.au now on the trading game website you can register for a free five-part e-course and we can stay in touch in the coming months because i produce a newsletter it's a lot to do with what we've discussed today Mm -hmm. so ways to improve your mindset to get better trading results to get better results as an entrepreneur Um, so you'll get a monthly newsletter as well and look i'm because this has just been beautiful and i have enjoyed our time together so much i'm prepared to give you my personal email address so your listeners can email me trading secrets is my first book so that's the book there so if you email louise at tradingsecrets.com.au that email gets directly to me and i'll answer all of your listeners personally with any of the questions that they have um so it's um louise at tradingsecrets.com.au right that's it. Okay. Yes. No worries. Well, um, thanks a lot for your time. I really appreciate you sharing all your wisdom and and uh, you know all of your knowledge and, and the techniques that you use. And you know, thanks a lot for that. Um, I wish you all the best, Louise. And um, let, let's keep in contact.
Thank you so much. I do appreciate it.